Welcome to another podcast from the BCC team. Our aim is to bring you a message that will help you live a better, more God-centered life. For more information, go to bccweb.com. Morning, how are you? Great. I like this church because, you know, you go from fasting and prayer to hog roast. It's brilliant. <laughs> hey? Brilliant. Just make up for it, hey? Get that prayer and fasting stuff out of the way. Let's eat now. <laughs> I had dinner last night with um, Marcus. I need to take it easy. I'm coming off a, a fast. Flipping Nora. He had a whole leg of lamb all by himself. It's unbelievable. Not quite, but almost. 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 It's good to be with you again. You all well? I'm getting over the flu, so if I sound a bit like Mr. Snuffleupagus, sorry for that, but um, we'll see how we go. Um, I recognise you've got a new a theme coming up called uh, Strength and Courage. And um, Mark told me about that and said if I could bridge it, speak into that, that would be great. And this is the thought that came to me. The thought that came to me was the kingdom of God is built by people who, number one, they are willing to embrace God's view on something and then have the strength and the courage to follow through on what he said. Now, this will be true. Now, you can put it in any other words you want, but I think that's a good bridging thought when it comes to your particular theme. Um, without exception, if you think about all the great achievers around the world, uh, in, the, in, the, in, in Christendom, that is, um, they've had this capacity to embrace God's perspective and then not only embrace it, but actually act upon it which takes strength, which takes faith, it takes courage. So I want to talk to you along the idea of perspective. Um, I think it'll be a great bridging thought for you as you lead into the new theme next week. So come with me in your Bible, Isaiah 55, if you've got one with you. If not, steal your neighbours. Um, if not, then listen carefully to me, and I'll help you through it. So um, I'm reading from the New King James Version, um, Isaiah 55, uh, verse 8. For my thoughts... Are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, may it give that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. You see, here's the deal, right? God doesn't think like we think. Or should I say the other way around? We don't think like God thinks. We think we do, but we actually don't, right, on most issues. Now, here's a good promise. The Bible says that we can have the mind of Christ. But so often we don't have the mind of Christ. We actually have secular thinking, whether we like it or not. It's got some promises around it. But for, by and large, I'm not preaching at you, I'm preaching to myself today. By and large, most of us are, are it framed around what's happening around us. And God is always looking to come into our world for us to see what he sees. Would you agree with that? Um, it's not just the realm of faith, but he wants us to see what he sees. His thoughts, listen to me, are always higher. 
So even beyond your wildest dreams, he's beyond that already. You see, his ways are always higher. They're always different to us. So he says, you know, I'm going to build a temple so magnificent, so grand, nothing like this ever the planet has ever seen before. So opulent, so majestic. I mean, so unbelievable that David gave $17 billion worth of his own wealth to it. A pretty magnificent, right? That's before the leaders gave and before the people gave, right? He says, so that's the, that's the temple that I want to build, David. Now, I want you to build that. So what does he do? He chooses Solomon because he's young and inexperienced. Now, would you have done that? You see, God doesn't think like we think. He says, now listen, Gideon, right? You're going up against the Midianites. They are the most fiercest fighting force on the planet, right? You're going up against them, right? They're just one of many enemies that we have, right? But you're going up against them, right? They are murderous. They are fierce. They are lethal. Now, this is what you're going to do. I know you've got 32,000 men, but I want you to get rid of all of them and just have 300 of them and then go and fight. You see, God never thinks like we think on these issues, right? He says, I want a king to lead my people. I've got millions of them. They tend to be disobedient, right? They need a lot of direction. There's lots of counseling involved. It's a lot of hard work. We're going to lead them. They've got lots of enemies as well, right? We need a king, right? I'm not looking for a warrior. I'm looking for a shepherd boy. You see, God doesn't think the way we think. But when we embrace his perspective on any issue and then follow through, that's when we see the kingdom of God established. That's when we see it come to our particular situation. Now, listen to me carefully because some of you are going to be greatly helped today. Today, God by his spirit is simply going to challenge your perspective. And he's been challenging. Actually, he's already been doing that. And no doubt during a week of fasting and prayer, He's been saying some stuff to you. The issue is not, the issue is not, I find with Christians, the problem is not hearing God's voice. The problem is obeying God's voice. Right? That's why James said, do not be hearers only, but be hearers and doers of the word. If we are hearers only, we deceive ourselves, he said. Right? The problem is not hearing God's voice. We have lots of lectures on that. It's not that. It's getting his perspective and actually following through. Jesus says to himself, you know, I need a group of men who will take over from me, who will change the world, who will evangelize the world, who will, who will finish the work that only I can accomplish, but now see it spread throughout the whole earth. Doesn't look for great theologians, doesn't look for uh, holy and righteous leaders, those who already have great rapport. Who's he choose? Fishermen. Tax collectors, you see. God in the same way looks at a city like Bromley and says, you know what, I want to establish some great churches here. I want to see the whole region come to know me. So what does he do? He looks to you. That's how God thinks. He looks to you. The thing, the thing is, will you embrace that perspective? That's the issue, you see. And not only embrace it, but have the courage and the strength to follow through on it. You see, perspective is absolutely critical in life. I don't know, you, I don't know if you like me or not, but I can't, I can't move forward unless I get some sort of perspective, right? I, I don't like confusion. Who likes confusion? I don't like confusion. I don't like spending a long time working stuff out. I hate it, right? I feel like I'm almost almost shut down. I've got to get some sort of perspective that I can embrace and accept so I can actually move forward. Perspective is absolutely critical in life. You see, perspective is a reflection of your worldview. Your worldview is the sum total of what you believe about God, creation, sin, the fall, 
and our role in the world. That's, it's the sum total of what you believe about that. It actually colours and overshadows every decision you make in life. It's the big picture that governs your world. In the end, everything leads back to that. I wouldn't do that big thing there because ultimately I don't believe, we would say. Right, I'm going to do that right now because ultimately I believe. And all of these phrases that we use are all flowing from your worldview, you see. And perspective that you hold on any issue flows from that. Your perspective dictates and influences every situation in your life. See, a person may say, um, I don't believe that hell is a real place. Well, that's your perspective, you see. It, it, but it stems from something, doesn't it? Right? Um, I think all religions have the truth. All you have to do is choose one. Well, that's your perspective. You see? I don't think marriage has to be a lifetime commitment, some would say. So, that's their perspective. I think Gandhi was the greatest leader on the earth. That's your perspective. Um, I don't believe in war. Perspective. I think the ideal family has three kids. Perspective. I think eating rump steak... And four vegetables every day keeps me healthy. Perspective. I think Coldplay are the best band in the world. Perspective. I think Australia should have won the World Cup, FIFA World Cup football. I think England should have won the World Cup cricket. These are my perspectives, obviously. I believe Crystal Palace should win the Premier League. Rob, what do you reckon? <clears throat> you see, we all have our perspectives, don't we? And they flow from something. But God is always looking to shape your perspective. Always. In fact, can I say this? He's always confronting it all the time. This is true of all history. You can see it's, all, it's every story you read about people in this Bible. Right? You see, if you, if, you, if you take on the theme that I'm talking about today, you see God confronting their perspective about the kingdom of God. Constantly. It's all the way through there. Every story, line upon line, it's all about confronting. You see, the thing is, even though you've argued and reasoned and debated and meditated and researched and even experienced stuff that shaped your perspective, the reality is every single day it's being confronted. Every single day. And... It's been confronted not only by God, but by the world as well. The challenge is to allow God to challenge our perspective. Um, some of you may have heard this story before, so bear with me. But there's a teacher teaching in a school, in a primary school, little kids. And they were talking about nature and they got on the subject of you know, animals. And they were looking at the biggest creatures in the world. And of course, got on the subject of the whale. And of course, the teacher was saying, you know, the whale, and they looked at the whale and how magnificent algae and all this sort of stuff and what it eats and, you know, how big they are and the blue whale is the biggest of them all. And then started to make this statement that even though it's really, really big, they have a small throat. Therefore, they eat small stuff, not big stuff, like people. Of course, a little girl goes, no, teacher, that's not true because the whale ate Jonah like that. And the teacher reiterated, no, the whale did not eat Jonah because it's physically impossible. The little girl was extremely upset and said, well, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Jonah. The teacher replied, what if he didn't go to heaven? What if he went to hell? The little girl said, well, then you can ask him. (laughs) 
You see, our perspectives are always being challenged, aren't they? True. The reality is, are you, when was the last, okay, not when the last time was, because in some ways it's the wrong question. I know that God has been challenging you in some areas of your life, but what have you done about it? You just come off a week of prayer and fasting. Now, not all of you have prayer and fa- had a week of prayer and fasting. Some of you did, some of you didn't. I'm aware of that. But this I do know, right, that God is always on your case, if we can use that phraseology, right? But what are you doing about the case that he's on in your life? Very, very important because these are literally the people that God, he wants to break through. The reason why he's on your case is because there's something he wants you to see. There's something you want, he wants you to embrace. There's something bigger. It's always higher. It's always better. It's always bigger. Make no mistake about it. You may be scared. You may be fearful. That may be true, but it's always better. It's always bigger. It's always higher. From God's perspective, our thinking is small. It's limited. And even our biggest dreams are still small in his eyes. Here's, here's a verse for you. Ephesians 3 verse 20. You know it well. I'm going to read from the Living Bible. It says, Now glory be to God, who by his mighty power at work within us is able to do more than we would ever dare to ask or even dream of, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, and hopes. You see, who's writing this? Paul. Paul caught a revelation that regardless of how good he thought he was or how great his, thought, his faith was or how, even the great things he had seen, he realized here that, you know what? God is way beyond all of that. In the same way, he broke in on this man who was hell-bent on destroying the church and, and had a revelation of God's love. I mean, he was a mean dude. Listen to what he says in Romans 8. He says, Yet in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am now persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, not even powers, nor things past, or even the things that can come, not height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God. That's revelation, you see. And he writes that, in history's pages, in, in what is known as the canon of Scripture, for people like you and I today to understand that. Now, it's easy to read, isn't it? It's easy to read, it's even re- and some of you probably even know how to quote it, right? That's not the issue. The issue is, have you embraced it as revelation for yourself? Now, I realize that it takes time for some of us to embrace new things, because that's certainly been my story, right? I don't always respond straight away. But what has God been challenging you on? What perspective has he been trying to break through on you that you have not yet embraced? That's the theme. If that's the only thing you catch from this message this morning, then I feel like I've done what I was called to do. Does that make sense? Um, God's perspective is always bigger, always higher, always deeper, always wider than ours. It's our perspective that's put limitations on our lives. Like building a fence around a property, we build fence, a fence or a wall around our potential, right? And I believe collectively, therefore, the potential of the church, right? But the moment we catch a glimpse of God's perspective, when we begin to see the endless possibilities, the potential of unfulfilled promises and the opportunity for greater influence, when we can accept that, great things begin to happen. Amen? Amen.
Our small thinking leads to small actions, which are always calculated and conservative, leaving no room for faith. You see, I've met a lot of, and I've worked with some leaders over the years, um, who are dynamic gifts of faith. In fact, Brian Houston, who's coming, for example, to a national conference in just a couple of weeks' time, without a doubt carries a gift of faith. The problem for so many leaders is that they are surrounded by, sometimes, people who have the ministry of subtraction. Or the ministry of reduction. They're always trying to bring everything down, you see. Faith. But when people come in agreement with that, it's unbelievable what God can do. Time and time again, how many times do you see when you read the scriptures, you see God speaks a word to a person, a leader, that's generally what the book's named after, the leader, who actually was chosen by God to listen to God and lead the people. How often you find them trying to get the people to understand what God is actually saying. Does that make sense? So forget the corporate level, but for your own life today, what has God been saying to you? See, we are encompassed by possibilities. We are totally surrounded by opportunities to embrace what God wants to do. But when you are immersed in the impossibilities in your thinking, when you are comfortable with the consensus, when you are satisfied with the status quo of what's going on, or when you are bound by the simply unbelievable, you never embrace what God has for you. You see, we can talk about a church that has multiple services, right, and that grows to several hundred. When God is always thinking multiple services, multiple locations, multiple thousands, in auditoriums, going to multiple nations. Am I making sense? He's always thinking more. Does that make sense? And it's the same for your workplace. Same for your family. Well, you know, I'm hoping such and such comes to the Lord when he's trying to get your whole workplace to come to the Lord. You see, he's always thinking more. He's always thinking you can do, oh no, I can only do this. No, 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 you can actually do this. You see, there's always so much. Ephesians 3.20, it said he's able to do immeasurably more according to what? The power that's at work within us. You see, there is this dimension of what God does, but what do we do? There's this, the dimension of what can only God do, but what is it that I must do in order to see God do what only he can do in a person's life? You see, perspective, now stay with me, perspective is the art of re- representing an object in view of or in relation to something else. Let me say that again. This is what perspective is. When we talk about what perspective is, right? it's the art of representing the object in view of or in relation to other objects. We can say this is a small bottle of water. But the only reason why you can say that is because you've seen bigger bottles of water. Yeah. Otherwise, you just say it's a bottle of water. You see, you know, if you say it's a, a bottle of Evian water, that therefore it's the best. You can't say that unless you've tried Buxton water. Does that make sense? You have to try some other waters to, make the pers- to get that perspective. That's what God's always trying to do with you. you. You're convinced that that's it. And he's saying, no, no, unless you've seen the bigger thing, you're still not there yet. Yeah. You see, he's always trying to challenge your perspective. In other words, perspective must be formed in relation to something else. It must be, listen to me, it must be measured by a larger concept. It must be confronted by a greater possibility. It must be stretched to a higher level. And, get this, it may even have to be opposed and offended by the truth. Have you ever felt offended by God? 
Have you ever felt God was, have you ever felt God was against you? No, I have. I felt opposed or offended by God, right? But it was just me. He was trying to show me something bigger. Right? You're with me. Now, I'm going to tell you a story in a, in a short while. Well, you see this actually scriptural. God actually, actually, to get to the motive of the heart, sometimes he offends your mind. You realize that? He confronts your thinking in order to sometimes to reveal the motive of your heart. Some of you are still wrestling with that thought. Right? But needless to say that perspective always has to be confronted by something else. It has to be held and weighed by something else. You know, I'm probably getting this name wrong. Eratosthenes. Now, some, know, some of you may recognize the name, maybe because I've pronounced it wrong. Eratosthenes, right? He is the, the, the guy who created the very first world map, right? He was a poet, a mathematician, a geographer, an astronomer. Uh, Eratosthenes would be the guy who we would say, Right? He's the one that put, was the first guy to put forward the idea that the earth is actually round and not flat. That's who Eratosthenes is. Right? Turn to your neighbor and say, Eratosthenes. <laughs> if you know how to pronounce it better, go ahead and do that. Right? <clears throat> so what happened was he noticed that when he was in Alexandria, where he was based at the greatest library in the world at the, on the planet at that point in time, three, the 3rd century BC, he noticed that when the, at midday that the sun, uh, against the straight columns, cast a shadow. But when he was on a previous occasion in Syene, 800 kilometers away, at midday, the columns had no shadows at midday. And he figured, how can that be so? Therefore, the earth can't be flat, it must be curved. And he actually then, as a mathematician, 3rd century BC, then did a calculation, worked out a formula and a calculation to measure the circumference of the world. Yeah? Modern mathematicians have used his assessment and his calculation to find out that he was 66 kilometers out. This guy was smart, dude. All right? But when you think, when he told people, listen, understand this, the world's actually round, it's not flat, do you think people just went, oh yeah, of course it is. <laughs> you, see? Unless, you see? And we all know now the world is round. Right? But imagine him for the very first time embracing a bigger perspective of the world. Imagine him fighting for it to get people to understand. Are you with me? If you do a bit of study into it, Christopher Columbus, they say, uh, used his measurements, 1,700 years later, used his measurements to go and discover a new world. Right? But felt, Christopher Columbus felt he knew better than him. I've got a better worldview. And didn't use the same measurements that he did. And as a result, when he mapped it out, he thought he was still in Asia. But if he'd used Aristosthenes' calculations as has been proven correctly, he would have realized he was actually in the new world, a brand new continent, you see, which we found out later on. You see what I'm saying? So are you, are you up for God confronting your perspective? Has he been challenging your perspective on something? Question. You said yes. Question. What have you been doing about it? It takes strength, it takes courage, and yes, it may even take faith for you to embrace that new thing he's trying to show you. 
Has he been confronting you in such a way that's even upset you, maybe even disappointed you? Maybe there's some things in your life that haven't broken through for quite some time. I'm telling you, friends, today is the day for you to embrace his perspective. Amen. In order to change your perspective so that you can see the bigger picture and think higher thoughts, one of two things has to happen. Either you need to get out of your environment or out of your comfort zone or out of the culture that confines you or someone needs to break into it. Either way, that's the only way you're going to get perspective. Someone with the higher perspective breaks through in your world or you break out of your world to embrace the greater perspective he has for you. This is why short-term mission trips are so powerful. And if you haven't been on one, you really should. Some of you just look to, to look to book you know, your two-week, three-week or four-week holiday, whatever it is that you do. And I understand you work long hours, you, you're busy, you're probably working in London or central London or nearby, you may be running a company and you work long hours, you're looking forward just to sunbaking in Mallorca or something like that, I'm sure. But let me challenge you to say, why don't you give one week per year to going to a place where God is at work among the extreme poor, for example. It'll change your world forever. I'll never forget the first time that I went to China. I've probably told this before, in 1993. And I never travelled outside of Australia, ever. And now I was given the opportunity to lead a team to an overseas country. I didn't even know what I was doing. I knew how to lead, but not in a different context. And here I was for the very first time going in, and I still remember standing in Shenzhen. Now, Shenzhen looks nothing like Shenzhen back then in 1993. Today, it looks, it's a modern city. But in those days, standing and watching this little boy, who I was told later would have had his arms deliberately hacked off by his owners, and had this little bucket with a little steel handle swinging on his arm with a few coins in it because he was begging. Only to be told and informed by the guy that close by and even managed to spot out two or three of the potential guys who were their owners watching to make sure that they were collecting money, that they weren't pocketing any of their money and that no one was doing anything underhanded to their workers, you see. And I opened up my, I thought, this can't be true. This, this, can't, this can't be real. You, you, honestly, why doesn't someone do something about this? Why doesn't someone rescue the kid and kill the guy? If someone to do something... You know what I mean? And it just messed with my head. It really did. And the fact that I was walking around and among a nation of 1.3 billion people, I was never alone. You see? It blew my world away. It reminds me of when I went to um, uh, Banda Aceh. And I was, up, I was there just three months after the Boxing Day tsunami 2004. And as you know, hundreds of thousands of people got killed, estimated up to 270,000, somewhere in there, depending on what reports you read. And being in Banda Aceh, which was not very far from, the, from the, the eye of what took place, and seeing the devastation, and, 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 and the way your life has changed when you're standing in Banda Aceh on a grave where 80,000 people have been buried. Four layers of 20,000 each, they told us. 20,000, put down some dirt. Another 20,000, put down some dirt. 20,000, put down some dirt. 20,000, put down some dirt. No individual names. Just here is a grave of 80,000 people of the, of the victims of the Boxing Day tsunami 2004. That's all the plaque says. That's all the sign says. And when you're standing, you're standing on 80,000 dead people. You think it's come, And you see, when you have just experiences like that, your whole world, you, you, you reevaluate some stuff. Does that make sense? You see, And I believe that God is always trying to do that. He's trying to get you out of your comfort zone 
or he needs someone like me to come into your comfort zone. Or let's forget comfort zone, because some of us don't like that. You need to come into your world and say, hey, God's wanting to do a whole lot more with you right now. You see? And I believe this is always what God is trying to do with us. Get us to see the bigger picture of what he's doing. Um, some years ago, I had a friend who, um, who uh, ran a fitness company and a personal training and fitness company, and he worked with the Adelaide 36ers. And, uh, and one of the guys there, I remember going down to his gym, and he said, oh, I said, who, oh, who's that tall dude over there? Right? And he goes, oh, he's one of the 36ers. I said, oh, is he? Basketball, you know. You know, he looked, he looked to me like a six foot two, something like that. And I mean, you know, I'm short, so everyone's tall. You know what I mean? But he was really tall, right? Anyway, he said, uh, would you like tickets to go to the game? I said, oh, yeah, love, let's go. So two weeks later, I got tickets to go and see the Adelaide 36ers play, right? So I'm looking for tall dude, right? Walking in, right? And there he is. He points him out. He points him out. He goes, oh, that's the one that was at my gym, like that, right? And then in the basketball court, he was the shortest guy out there. I'm thinking, see, now it's, my, my, perspective, my perspective was changed. I think, they are giants. <laughs> I'm thinking, is that guy like eight foot nine? How big is that guy out there? You know, like some of them were like this much bigger than him. I'm going, what the? You see, you see, when something is held in proportion to something else, it challenges your perspective. It's like when you, you like doing jigsaws. You know, like, you know, a thousand piece jigsaws at least. It's got to be, you know, and you've got to have a table or a something. I used to do them as a kid on, on my dad's pool table, right? And you know when you're, when you're stuck on blue sky? <laughs> you know, blue sky makes up for like 180 pieces of the 1,000 jigsaw and you go, oh, so much blue sky. You know, when you buy it, you go, no, nah, less blue sky, less blue sky. This box will do. You know, and you're stuck there. And then someone from the family who hasn't been with it comes in and they stand on the other side of the table and they start going click blue sky blue sky blue sky and you go push like that because you know, because they see it from a different perspective does that make sense is God doing that with you right now is he wanting you to come around the other side of the table to see a different perspective and if it is in what area of your life is it and for some of you it's not just a new phenomenon it's not been happening this week he's been doing it with you for months you see? And for some of you, you've actually embraced it. You say, I know what God wants to do, blah, blah, but you've done nothing about it. Yeah. You see? Have the courage and the faith to embrace it. You know, some of us, we whinge about the capacity of our new mobile to pick up 4G or wireless internet. And then someone reminds us that one billion people still don't have access to a phone. And our perspective has changed. You're worried about getting old and whether you've got bags under your eyes and you need to put some thing here and Botox and creams and all this sort of stuff. And then someone reminds you that in Sierra Leone, the average age of women who pass away, the mortality rate is only 39 for women in Sierra Leone. And your perspective has changed, you see, as you're enjoying life in your 50s. Hello? You see? Perspective. You're complaining about missing lunch, but then someone reminds you that 868 million people don't eat every day around the world. And that they reckon, UNICEF, 8,000 children die every single day of malnutrition. Next time you're complaining about your lunch, maybe think about that. Think about it. You see, you believe the Lord is coming back soon. That's a lovely idea. Till someone reminds you that every single day, at least 37,000 people pass into eternity having never heard the name of Jesus once. And that the golden arches is a more recognized symbol than the Christian cross globally. You see? 
you realize then maybe the Lord's not coming back as quick as you think he is. You understand what I'm saying? Your perspective has changed. You're stressed about a lack of money. But then someone reminds you that 80% of the world lives on less than 10 US bucks. So maybe next time you're worried about those bills, think about that. You see, someone needs to challenge our perspective. And someone has to be confronted by the reality of the truth of what really exists in God's world. Now, in this opening text, just in the few minutes we've got left here, in this opening text you see that when God's, when God's word breaks through, notice that it brings life. You notice that? It goes out and achieves that which was intended. God's word is coming to you. And it wants to achieve a lot, but will you allow it to? It sounds a bit strange. It's almost contrary. Will you allow it to? Because you have to embrace that word, right? So it's like Acts chapter 10. Three quick examples and we're done. Acts chapter 10. Peter up on roof goes to pray. Lunch is being made, goes up on the roof, falls into a trance while he's praying. God shows him a vision. Sheep coming down from heaven, unclean animals. He's a Jew. Then the voice of the Lord says, now I want you to get up, rise, get up and kill and eat these animals. He can't eat these animals because they're all unclean, non-kosher animals. Right? God does it how many times? Three times to confront him. He's confronting his tradition, his culture, his prejudice. His con- his con- everything about him is being confronted. What he's learned since he was a little kid, everything that he knows to be as part of the, of the nation of the Jews, everything is being challenged right in this one concept. So he's thinking to himself, is this God trying to break through or is it not? That's why it was three times. But God breaks through. Now listen to verse 28 when he finally goes, because in the end what it meant he needed to go to Cornelius' house. He goes to Cornelius, that's what he says, verse 28 of Acts 10. He says, then he said, you know, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company or with to go with another one from another nation. In other words, you know what? It's against the law for me to be here. I shouldn't be with you guys, right? You're unclean dogs, basically. Right? But then he says this, but God has shown me. That's powerful right there. But God has shown me, therefore I came. Wow. You see, that if you can catch that idea, it may be contrary to everything you know, but has God shown you? And if he has, and this result here, the gospel went to the Gentiles. And we are here because of that story right there. Isn't that powerful? Look at the man, uh, next story, very quickly. Luke chapter 6. Jesus speaks to the man with the withered hand. And if you read the story again, it says this, that he goes there. And now it happened on another Sabbath that he entered the synagogue and taught. And there was a man there whose right hand was withered. So the scribes and Pharisees watched him closely, whether he would heal on the Sabbath day. They have a different agenda, see? Their thinking was this small. We need to abide by the Sabbath. And God's thinking to the kingdom. Right, and that they might find an accusation against him. What's this? Jesus knew their thoughts and said to the man, "Wow, see, he's not, he's not, he's not unsympathetic with what is reality, but he knows their thoughts. But he speaks to the man, come and stand beside me.' Then he says to them, "What's more difficult? What would you do on the Sabbath? What's more lawful on Sabbath to to save or to kill? To save?" Or to, to, to let people die or to save people's lives? What's more, what's more honourable on the Sabbath? Therefore, he turns around and says, bang, you've been made well. You see? Watch this. He knows their thoughts and still he speaks. Friends, he knows your thoughts and still he speaks. He knows what everyone else is thinking, but still he speaks. You see? He longs to speak and break in on your perspective. Amen. 
And the other story, read it for yourself, is in Matthew chapter 8, where Jesus heals the paralytic. The same thing, Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, why do you think evil in your hearts? Is it easy to forgive sins, or is it easy to say to this man, be healed? And friends, in the end, he did both. Friends, he knew their thoughts, but still he says. Friends, he knows your thoughts, but still he says. I can remember when God broke in on my world. I was really believing for some great things to happen in our lives financially. And God turns around and says to me, Gary, I want you to give your car away. It's a big deal. Now, the car wasn't a super flash car. It was a, in, in our terminology here, it was a Vauxhall Astra. It was worth on the market at the time about four and a half to 5,000 bucks. But friends, I gave it away. I gave it away because he broke in. And when I was willing to embrace that bigger idea, God broke through in other ways. Gary, I want you to get out from where you are. I know you've been on this team in this great church for 12 years. I want you to get out from there. So I've got something else I want to show you. I want you to resign. But God, where will you take me? No, no. When you resign and after you resign and after you've declared all that publicly and I've done all the fanfare and after you've had your farewell, then I'll tell you where you're going. Try that sometime. But friends, if I hadn't responded to that, I wouldn't be here. You see? Has God been trying to get your attention on some stuff? Has he been trying to break in on your perspective? What is it? What have you done about it? Amen. Mark, come up.